I always like to say though that we are all, and this is a little spiritual for some people, but we are all literally made of stardust. We are made of the same stuff as stars. And so we cannot stop shining just as a star cannot stop shining. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Coachpreneur Podcast, your go-to podcast for coaches who are ready to become successful coachpreneurs. I am your host, Tyler Hall, and on today's episode, we are getting intimate and opening up about what it means to be a gay man and how our experiences as gay men impact the way we coach and run our businesses. Joining me for today's fabulous conversation is the oh-so-vivacious Brian Falduto. I hope I did that justice. Brian is a professional actor, country music singer and songwriter, and ICF certified life coach. As a life coach, Brian serves primarily LGBTQ plus clientele. In 2020, Brian launched the Gay Life Coach podcast, the Gay Men's Self-Help Book Club, and the Gay Men's Mindfulness Collective as part of his continual efforts to create mindful conversations and content surrounding the effects of internalized and externalized homophobia and how one might heal from those experiences through expanded awareness and a deeper connection to one's self. I am oh so excited for today's conversation. Uh, It's very raw, it's very personal, um, and I'm just so thankful to hold the space today. So without further ado, let's welcome Brian to the podcast and let's kick off today's Coachpreneur conversation. Uh, We are welcoming Brian to the podcast today. Brian, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have you and and share this space with you today. Oh my gosh, me too. Thanks for having me, Tyler. So happy to be here. Yeah, I would love to just like kick off our conversation by having you introduce yourself and just tell the audience like who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Brian Salduro, Italiano. Um, I am a (laughs) life coach which I think is the reason I was invited on this podcast, but I'm also a singer songwriter. I'm also an actor. Um, Yeah. I refer to myself often as a child actor because I'm not acting these much that much these days. Um, I'm still an actor, you know, Um, but uh, people may know me from my child acting days in the movie school of rock. Um, And then, yeah. And now I just, I coach and I sing and I songwrite. Yeah, I mean, you do it all. It's fantastic. And, you know, I'm really excited to have you today because we connected. I'm going to share how we kind of got introduced to each other. And I boldly just emailed you one day and was like, hi, I'm Tyler. I'm starting a coaching business. I would love to be on your podcast. And that, I mean, that's literally how we got connected. And it was just kind of, you were the very first person I contacted when I was reaching out to get onto podcasts. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. Yeah. I mean, I just, I came across like your, uh, your gay life podcast that you were doing. And I was like, hey, I'm gay. I could be on his show. I coach, yeah. I do these things. And you literally, I was like, I'm just going to email him and see what happens. 
Yeah, I did really snatch up that branding because I my podcast is called The Gay Life Coach Podcast and my Instagram is The Gay Life Coach. So yeah. um, I really just lucked out by getting that handle because it is really locatable, you know? <laughs> you really did. It's, it's one of the, and when you Google it, it's like the first thing that pops up. So I mean- you really did a great job of like snatching up, snatching it up. Cause yeah. I couldn't believe it was available. Honestly, I was like, the well, gay life coach is an available handle. That's crazy. When, when did you start? When did you start that handle? It's been like three years now. So I guess, okay. you know, coaching has really like exploded, especially within the queer community, I think in the past yeah. couple of years. So, yeah. And I'm, do you coach, uh, you coach like queer in the, in the LGBT community specifically or? Primarily, primarily, I got a I got a couple straight C's on the on the, <laughs> off, on the roster, but uh, primarily work with LGBTQ persons. Primarily, actually, uh, gay men in their twenties, early thirties, who are looking to overcome self limiting and self defeating and self sabotaging narratives that they grew up with, um, and just really find a full empowerment through healing and kind of. Um, uh, retraining the muscles in the mind so that they can um, just feel better about their relationship with themselves, you know, from a really authentic standpoint. I've actually also started working with kids a lot lately. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the new generation is ahead of our generation and they're already asking questions we never asked before. And they're already trying to break out of these boxes that society has tried to put people in and, um, and it's really cool. And I think because I was on screen as a kid um, and now I'm like this, you know, fully grown gay man, that's a life coach. Uh, it, it just seems to be a cool match where I get to like work with kids now and and see how, how early we can start building that self-esteem, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, share that w when I saw School of Rock, when I was like eight or nine or 10, I don't even remember how old I was, but I remember seeing your character specifically and going, that's me. <laughs> and so it's really cool to like sit here and, and chat with you today to know, like, even at such a young age, like I just identified, I knew that's how I identified. I knew that's how I felt. And like, and like your character provided like a safe space for me to be like, oh, that's me. I want to design the costumes. I want to, you know, I want to be, you know, I, you know, I want to be the band stylist. And so it was like, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, like that is a hundred percent me. And I just felt the energy and I just, and I didn't even know at the time, like, you know, that they were portraying, you know, the character as gay and, and, you know, this gay kid. Me neither, and, honestly. I, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I'm curious to like, did you know back then that you were gay or like, no. I mean, what was it like playing that character and then coming, like discovering your sexuality uh, from yeah. that point on? <laughs> well, I didn't, I, it took me a really long time to discover my sexuality because I was told what my sexuality was based on certain like ways I carried myself on screen, right? So, um, and it was 2003 and I had this label of gay put on me and I just, uh, I, 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 I was trying to just get through middle school, right? And my middle school class of boys made, made it very clear to me that being gay was not cool, right? So I ran from this, this, idea of even being gay before I knew what it was. I didn't end up coming out till senior year of college, actually. Um, but the movie is a cool thing, right? Because kids like you got to watch it and identify with the character. And I think it's, and neither you or I knew that we were gay per se, but um, 
it's a cool kind of capturing of authenticity if you think about it because all of my work now is is about how authentically can you show up but if you look at that kid on screen he didn't have to do any work to do that he was mm-hmm. um there was no filter there was no he just knew there was something special about the way he carried himself and so there was like a there was like a a purity there um and you know, School of Rock is kind of like a curtain of, you know, me living at my most authentic and getting and standing out because of it. And then me trying to blend in and fit in because I learned that it can be hard to stand out and like people will make fun of you and that kind of thing. So, um, and now I'm trying to do all the reverse work of how do you, how do you get back to not caring and really just living in truth, right? So it's, um, it's, it's a bit, it was a while, it's been a wild ride. But you know, this, these kind of conversations are so beautiful and it makes it so worth it to me that I got to kind of be that guinea pig on screen, especially if uh, if it meant something to someone somewhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny to hear your, to hear this story and, and to hear it play out. And I didn't come out until I was in college. I mean, it was technically probably should have been my senior year of college, but I took forever to get through college. And so, I mean, we, we have a lot of those similarities in, in our story of like, of like middle school being told like, oh, that's not a good thing. And me growing up in Texas and being in a very conservative area and just a place of like, oh, gay's not okay. And, and it, I mean, it was like in high school when I really started to kind of figure out that I was like really attracted to men and like I was a theater kid and so I was like always in the dressing room and I was like my eyes were wandering can't help that and uh you know but it was like but it was always such a repression it was something that I just always felt sick to my stomach about accepting my sexuality and like standing up and saying this is who I am and I remember like that coming like actually coming out to uh, people and thinking it was like the scariest thing ever and you know it's like your work as a coach like like you work with 20 to you know 30 year olds primarily like what are some of the things that we're still struggling with because I'm sure it's something that I'm still struggling with like what are some of the common themes that you face in your coaching practice <laughs> uh yeah I mean stuff I'm definitely still struggling with as well right and I think there's others often this misunderstanding that coaches have everything figured out I do not have anything necessarily figured out within my own life other than that I know that my life is supposed to be messy and it's about not arguing with the mess it's about embracing the mess and kind of sort of like living in the in the conflict right I think resistance to the conflict is actually where we um where we fall short but um I think one of the really prevalent themes of the men that I work with is that a lack of consciousness um, in an effort to avoid, you know, there's an avoidance there. Um, And behaviors that grew out of that avoidance, right? Because I think what happens is we come out of the closet and we we suddenly want to be okay. (laughs) We spend so long (laughs) not being okay right and we want to come out and be happy we want to be proud you know pride that's the word right we're going we're striving for unfortunately you don't just get to be able to switch a flip I mean flip a switch sorry (laughs) Uh, flip a switch on all the years of of you know things you internalize or disassociated from or disowned about yourself and so 
there comes a time when you have to face that stuff or that stuff's just going to like carry you away in different directions on its own. So I think that the work becomes about witnessing all these things as they're coming up for you, deciding how you want to relate to them finally, since you never spent the time doing that. Um, and really just kind of holding these things in your hands and, and seeing if they serve you or not, or, or, uh, you know, how do you want to show up knowing that there are these certain things about yourself um, that you've maybe been avoiding? You know, how do you incorporate that into the way you are presenting yourself? I think, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a lot. It's hard work. I don't, I think that's why coaching is cool because we don't have to do the work alone. You know, I wouldn't, when I discovered all this work for myself, I was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't do this all on my own. So I, yeah. I think I answered your question. <laughs> you, you did. <laughs> well, and you're pulling up things that like, I'm still, you know, over. And like you said, like, we're not perfect people. We don't, you don't just come out and then all of a sudden everything's like this perfect rainbow and it's picturesque and every, like for me, like coming out as gay was just like the first level of that coming out process. Cause it was like, it was like, okay, I came out as gay. And then people were like, well, now you're a queer. And I was like, well, yeah, no, I don't know. You know, I, there was like all of now, you know, it wasn't just about being gay or straight or, you know, it then became about like, for me, it was like an evolution of like, how do I fit in like with my sexuality and then with like my gender identity, even like there was a little bit of like, for me, at least there was like, okay, there's sexuality, then there's gender identity, then there, you know, there's all of these different labels that come, you know, when you're going through the coming out process that you have to decide for yourself. And I was like, you know, there were so many people who would like call me girl. And I was like, well, I'm not a girl. And I was so like, there were still like parts of me that were so offended by like somebody calling me a girl. And now it's just like, oh, whatever. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, but it was still like, you think you just come out, you think you just you know, accept the sexuality, you know, that sexual side of you, and then that's it. But it's like, no, now you're entering into this LGBTQ space, where it's yeah. like, okay, you're not just for some people, you're not just gay, you're also, you know, there's also like, you know, like I said, my gender identity, and, and, you know, how, how, how much sex do I like? I know this is very explicit, but like, it's like, how, how much sex do I actually like? Where do I fall in on that asexuality spectrum? If there's any of that, like these were all things that I, through my journey had to discover. And it's so isolating when you're doing it by yourself. And I'm sure part of the reason why you became a coach was because you did a lot of this by yourself. Is that correct? At first, yeah. Um... I also have, you know, my artistic lane to thank for a lot of like my self-discoveries and stuff, you know, writing songs, you can put something in a lyric, right, that you would never say out loud to a person. So it's a mm -hmm. really cool way to discover what's going on inside of you. Um, also, as an actor, you know, I go to this acting studio that is all about expressing who you are through the work. And um, that was tough for someone who had no idea who they were. So the studio <laughs> had to had to like help me figure that out. And it was cool. Um, and then, yeah, I, I've worked with coaches. I've worked with therapists. I'm just, the work is constant. You know, what you were saying reminded me of one of my favorite quotes that is, um, the self is a vast continent who, whose exploration we can never complete. Um, 
Because I do think that there is no arrival point in this like discovery of the self. I know a lot of the kids that I work with, they get really caught up in these labels, right? Like they don't want to identify with something and then it become evident later on if they change their mind that they were lying, right? And that's not, there's no lying involved. There's no, there, there's no, it's all just a flow, right? Mm-hmm. Every day, there's no right way to do today, right? Because it's never been lived before. So I think every day we have to leave open the opportunity that we're going to learn something new about ourselves. And then what are we going to do with that information? I think, um, I think the goal is to be malleable constantly. And I think, mm. uh, I think that's the challenge. That's like yeah. one of the hardest things to do, especially in a society that wants answers and um, certainty and all these things that just don't go with like what being human is. (laughs) I love that word malleable um, because I always say to people, it's like, it's like it, you know, life is not black or white, you know, there's like an array of colors in between. And, you know, and I always say like, life is a spectrum, you know, I believe that, you know, we all fall somewhere along this spectrum and it, you know, and, and there's ebbs and flows and some days you're more this and then some days you're more that and like, like being fluid. Um, I love, I don't know, I've really learned to embrace like for myself, like, like this idea of being gender fluid or, you know, just being fluid as a, as a human being able to like, ping pong back and forth and and change your shape and change how you carry yourself depending on the day and the mood and the time and all of these kind of things and and it makes for me it makes life so freeing you mm-hmm. know because i think you're right i think we live in this society that is so structured and so like square in the box like one way or or this way and it's so rigid but it's like for me my whole my whole coming out process was like very fluid and very just like like just finding finding my way and 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 it was like riding waves versus just like this hard black and white roadmap and I I think that's the same way with life is like I don't I don't think there's one right way to do it or one wrong way to do it I think you just have to show up and continue to show up I don't yeah. really have a question there but just flow of thought (laughs) totally thank you for that um yeah I mean I still struggle with it I have a very type a personality and you know I my job is to be a mindfulness coach so I often feel especially if I'm having a tough day I feel like an imposter I feel um I feel you know I sometimes use my ego wants to use that label mindfulness coach as like a reason to escape whatever might be coming up for me that's crunchy or difficult that day right like I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be able to figure my way out of this right but sometimes like the best thing you can do is find out what's on the other side of that feeling that you don't want to be feeling and it's like and that's really tough for me because I'm an artist also so my feelings are like heavy when they hit like I you know I, I'm, a, I'm a feeler mm-hmm. and it takes which is a beautiful thing because it allows me to connect with people in like this empathetic way. And I'm so grateful for that skill. And like, but at the same time, the amount of energy it takes to sometimes take care of myself as being attacked by my own feelings Mm -hmm. is like, like is, you know, it's, it's, it's work, it's work. But I think it's, it's easier to do that work and find out what's on the other side of those feelings and continually remain stuck. And then like, eventually get lost, further lost from like who you are, right? I think that the pain lasts longer when you're in that avoidant 
um, place than if you mm. just, you know, uh, I was reading this book recently, it said emotions are tunnels, the only way out is through. Um, and I really do, I'm finding that more now even in my work than ever before. It's, you know, if a feeling's coming up for you, you've gotta just like, it's hard, but you just gotta like, what is this feeling? What is it, what is it teaching me? These feelings yeah. are teachers, you know? Yeah, no, I, I had a moment like that the other day. I was, I have a part-time job that, I mean, it's a phenomenal part-time job. It supports the the coaching hustle here and, and my dreams. And it's, I mean, a fantastic part-time job, but it drains me mm-hmm. because it's not where my heart actually belongs. My heart belongs here in the coaching world doing, you know, building my business and, and everything like that. And I, I had to sit with those emotions. I called a friend. I was so, I was so worked up from like being at this part-time job. I was like, I can't do it. I can't like, I can't just sit here anymore. And I, I mean, I was like almost enraged by like mm-hmm. how boxed in I was feeling. And I was like, what is this telling me? And mm-hmm. I did that exact same step that you were saying of like taking a step back and like figuring out what the emotion was and why I was feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And it's rather than like numbing or that, rather than yeah. numbing or just pushing, like pushing it down. I think a lot of people just keep pushing it down and down and down. And I mean, you're just going to bottle up one day and explode. <laughs> I think people like to think that we're intellectual beings who are sometimes emotional, but we're actually emotional beings who are sometimes intellectual, <laughs> you know, like are we're reacting to things. We're having physiological reactions to life all the time. And our brain is not our best friend because our brain is perceiving those reactions and coming up with narratives to try and protect us. Um, because that's what the brain is built to do. But those narratives aren't always true. The the thing that's true is the feeling. It's it's very it's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it fascinates really me. I do I do love it. Well, and and it's like you know I love living you know learning that and living from more of that heart space, that heart centeredness of like okay, your emotions come from your heart. Your emotions come from your gut, from that internal you know, beingness. And you're right. Like our brains just witness everything and they just, you know, all over the place, freak out, zip zap, you know, up and down all of these kind of things. But like when you really connect to that inner heart space and you connect to, you know, all of those emotions that live within and just feel them and allow them to be there without trying to fix them or change them or push them down, like magical things start to happen. And I'm curious, I, I want to segue a little bit. I want to know, how did you get into coaching? Like, like what was that like? When did you make that decision to go into coaching? And I got to go let my dog in because she's oh, going insane. Yeah. I'll eat a grape. <laughs> Would you stop it? Oh, prissy. Prissy. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> um... How did I get into coaching? Um, well, I I was just lost. You know, I was I I I told a little bit about my upbringing. It was uh, there was a lot of trauma there. And then when I came out of the closet, I just entered like traumatic relationship after traumatic relationship because you know that's one of the things that's happened that happens when you're so disconnected from yourself you try and find yourself in other people you try and value try and find validation outside of yourself and I was doing that with people who had no idea who they were either so there was just like this constant like codependency competitive 
like ambiguous relationship. I just, I basically used three words there to describe like all of my relationships across the board. But there was, <laughs> there was um, you know, it was just a rough start to my twenties. I was just like a lot of like really painful nights wondering what's wrong with me. And I already spent my whole, oh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I already spent my whole life wondering what's wrong with me. And I didn't want to like keep feeling like there was something wrong with me because of like this other person. And then I finally, um, a, a culmination of experiences, you know, between acting and writing music and traveling, which opens up new neural pathways in the brain, um, sort of just brought me out of my funk one day. And I was just like, I don't have to be the victim in all this. I have, I, I can take responsibility for my own happiness. And it was just like this like really crazy moment because I had spent my entire life thinking that happiness wasn't an option for me. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to get by. I just wanted to survive. I wanted to, I just, I wanted to just like prove myself enough to like establish some sort of like decency on this planet. Right. But then I, I like my mind just like opened itself up to this world that like contentment isn't about all of that. Contentment is about your relationship with yourself. And, you know, I was reading a lot of like self-help books at the time and like um, just, a, it, it was just the culmination of a lot of things. I do think, you know, my experience of younger, being younger and having everything so, kind of so amplified combined with like how hard I hit the ground running when I did come out of the cl closet and like how how many times I hit rock bottom as quickly as I did. I do feel fortunate because I do think I ask myself questions that from what I understand, a lot of gay men don't ask themselves until their late thirties. Um, and then they start living out of like a more authentic joy and a more like authentic um, place of being. Again, I think the generation below us is like already ahead of the curve. But um, one of my missions is to make that mindfulness conversation more accessible to people my age in this community. Instead of just going to the clubs all the time and like avoiding ourselves, what if we sit down and talk about ourselves and we like share in these beautiful communal ex experiences we've had that is so unique to the LGBTQ storyline? I think that there's like so much value there and we can like learn from each other. I think COVID has a lot of terrible things about it, but it was a cool year in that we all had to finally sit down and ask ourselves questions we've never asked ourselves before. Um, and we can't just like keep running over to the bars. So, um, or like calling people up on our phone to satiate feelings that we should be responsible for. Um, I kind of went on a rant there, but. A beautiful rant. <laughs> I mean, it is. The, I love this. Uh, and I want to back up because I'm curious. You said something like there were certain questions that you asked yourself that most gay men don't ask themselves until like their late 30s, early 40s. What were some of those questions? Because I'm just really curious. Yeah, it was, it was, why do all of these relationships look the same? Why am I always the person getting hurt? Why am I, why am I repeating behaviors that I know are going to end in me getting rejected? And the answer to that is because I've spent my whole life thinking that I'm someone who should be rejected because there is something wrong with me. And so what we do is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. What mm -hmm. we do is we create scenarios to keep ourselves trapped in this vision of who we are. And the goal is to replace at our core, the narratives that we're functioning from. 
so that we can know our worth and then operate from there. Um, and I think that that exhaustion that sets in from like constantly getting lost in that cycle, I think that a lot of people it took to their late thirties to get like that exhausted over it. But I think just because of the way my story worked out, I was finally like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I gotta figure out what this happiness thing is that everyone's talking about. Um, and yeah, so that's, yeah. That's, that's so cool because I, I've always like, when I came out, I was in Chicago and you know, there's Boys Town there, which is fantastic. I really miss Boys Town. And you is know, that the, the name of a town, or is that like the nickname that, of a town? I mean, that's like it has their, a lot of boys. That's their like that's like the the gay neighborhood is Boys Town. Okay, it's it. fantastic, um, and great bars. You know, I mean, it was the whole scene. But for me, I like I was well, I was twenty three when I came out, and I entered this scene thinking that like, oh, it was gonna be this like beautiful like paradise and it was filled with like all of this toxic energy and like everybody just like hated themselves still and there was like and I'm very much an, an, an emotional feeler like you were saying like I feel everything I'm, I take on all of these energies and I would get like I would meet people and it was like so superficial they were still trying to pretend to be something they weren't and I was like wait, here I am trying to be my most authentic self. I'm so proud of myself. I've come out, you know, I, I, I'm starting down this path and everybody just felt so artificial. And this is, you know, this is like the, like you said, the, the late, you know, the, those mid 20 year olds who, you know, are just, there's so much insecurity still at, at that age. And I'm, I'm curious and just wondering, like, what do you, what do you think causes that insecurity? What do you think, why do you think there's so much struggle still at, you know, after coming out to still kind of be tr totally authentic? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, as you were describing, you know, the, the scene, I, I just was having a moment in self where I'm acknowledging, like, I surprise myself daily still with how these, these narratives pop up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a fairly confident, proud, authentically living gay man, but like there is, there's just, there's so much there. There's so much embedded in the way I operate just because of that's, that's, you know, I've only been doing this work for like the later half of my twenties, right? So it's like, we're this is 25 years of of living a certain way and um and just thinking a certain way and um you know what happens is when we shut off this part of us that really understandably wants to be loved or this part of us that um that is vulnerable or scared what we're doing is we're shoving that part of ourselves into our unconscious and it's getting stronger because we're not aware of it. Um, and so I think what happens is we just get more scared and we get more unsure of ourselves and we get, um, and in order to protect all that, our ego 
starts to go crazy. It's like this, it, there's just all these default things that we think to protect ourselves essentially. Um, and it's also valid and fair and understandable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you consider like what people have been through. I always like to say though, that we are all, and this is a little spiritual for some people, but we are all literally made of stardust. We are made of the same stuff as stars. And so we cannot stop shining just as a star cannot stop shining. You can put a cloud in front of a star and you might not be able to see the star for a little bit, but the star is still there. So if people need to put up protective barriers around who they are and however that manifests itself in behaviors or whatever, it do that doesn't mean that they can't eventually get back to like how beautifully and authentically and purely and, and specially they can shine. Um, it just, you know, it, it's it's the stuff that we're made out of, you know? Um, so there's really, it, it, there's really no stopping it. Mm, I love that whole stardust just made me, I mean, I'm just like warm from hearing that. Like I just went, wow, that's cool. That's powerful. It's a great reminder uh, that we, that we will always shine no matter what. Um, I want to, I'm curious I want to pivot a little bit because I like to pivot. Um, and I want to know, you know say, so you do the coaching. You also have this whole music thing that you're doing. I know there's a lot of coaches out there that want to, you, you know, that, that get into this work because they want to do, they want to have other projects. They want to do other things. You know, there's people who like to go out and speak. There's people who like to, you know, paint, whatever, whatever it is. And I think for me, what drew me to coaching initially was, I wanted to start a career that I actually absolutely loved. Um, and so that's kind of what drew me into this coaching space. But for me, like I also have my hands in other projects and I'm doing other things than just coaching. And I want to know how do you juggle it all? And how do you, how do you, you know, how do you shift between like the coaching world and your music world and, and just kind of get into how do you manage, you know, all of the projects and things like that? That is a good question, Tyler. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do and I don't. You know, I, I. It really depends on on the day to day and the energy level and the, um, whatever I'm telling myself about the, the story I'm telling myself about what it is that I'm doing. Um, for the most part, I tend to succeed at bringing whatever I'm hoping to bring to life to life in one way or another. Um, I think that's just a natural quality of like this entrepreneurial spirit that I have, which is what this podcast seems to be about. Um, and so. <laughs> sure. We'll go with it. I, I, right. I, it's coach, entrepreneur, coach, sure, sure, sure. coaching, entrepreneurship, whatever we want to go there. <laughs> and I do. I do think there's a relentlessness required there. You know, I grew up a child actor, as we mentioned. And so I'm very familiar with the audition setting, which is just rejection after rejection, after rejection, after rejection. And then you land a role, right? So it's like, I, I don't get shot down by no very easily. Um, if something doesn't work out, I'm very quick to just kind of rewire around the situation and figure out a different way to make it happen. Um, I'm very good at responding in that sense. That said, you know, especially during COVID, you know, I'm operating from my own apartment in Brooklyn all the time. 
um, keeping myself motivated towards multiple avenues of a career, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't always serve my best interest just for a happiness stance. So it, um, from a happiness standpoint. Um, and so it's like, I don't know, lately I've been trying to get a little better at um, really just honoring what I, what I want and following my bliss, which mm -hmm. honestly is what they say to do because <laughs> uh, there's like a Joseph Campbell quote that's like, follow your bliss and everything will essentially work out. Um, and what we need in this world is more people who are following their bliss, not more people who are doing things because they think they should do them. Um, so that usually ends up being my quality, my, my qualifying factor for whether I'm gonna like freak out about my to-do list that day. I'm like, all right, so what do you want to do, Brian? Cause you know, at the end of the day, your to-do list is generally optional. You know, there are things that you like have to do, right? But like that becomes clear once you stop stressing about how big the to-do list is. You know, like the, the things you have to do and the things you want to do become very clear. A lot of it is usually just excess about what's going on in your head um, or like, you, like pressure, you know, that you're putting on yourself or you're getting from outside of yourself. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but it did. There, was, there yeah. was actually two really good points there. The first one is like, uh, you said, uh, like getting into your bliss and, you know, doing things that you just, you want to do versus feeling like you have to do. And I think that's been a huge thing. It's mm -hmm. my, my journey over the last couple of years of getting into, you know, going to film school and, and, you know, graduating, you know, from film school basically. And I, there was always things that, that I was like, well, I want to go be, I, was, I thought I was going to go be like a, a movie director, you know, and I thought that was my path. And then I got into it and I was like, God, I really hate this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's always kind of been my, my, my way of judging things. It's like, do I love this or do I hate this? Do I mm -hmm. love this or do I hate this? And I mean that when you, allow yourself to just kind of do the things you love and mm -hmm. actually enjoy it. You know, you actually look forward to these things. I look forward to putting together the podcast. I look forward to coaching my clients. I look forward to writing, you know, the things that I want to write. And, you know, same with you. It's like, you, you love your coaching, you love your music and it, and it makes, it makes the to do, the to-do list almost nothing because it's yeah. like, it's like we just get to get up and, and enjoy. Yeah. One of the things I promised myself I would do in 2021 was get on TikTok. Because, mm. you know, th that's very much the demographic of who I'm coaching these days. I, I, I feel like there's probably not that huge of a queer mindfulness perspective on there. And I was like, I'm going to go capitalize on that. Plus, I got the School of Rock thing. I, I It just felt like an <laughs> avenue I should like, you know, capitalize on, right? And then... It's it's now February. What date is it? February tenth. Whenever this is. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. All I've done is create a handle, and you know what? <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't. Mm. We talked before we came on about our souls. I have a sixty-four-year-old woman calling the shots in front inside of me. She doesn't want to get on TikTok. She's tired. She doesn't have time. From what I've heard, it's quite the monstrous activity to become good at, um, like from a marketing perspective. Um, I have all these other things within my brand that are working well. Why wouldn't I just spend my time doing, am I a failure? Cause I didn't do the thing I said I would do. No, I just, I just realized that I don't actually want to do it. It's just something I felt I should do because I'm trying to like 
like meet some sort of standard for my brand, you know? Well, and it, and it comes back to like society's expectations of like, as a coach, you have to be on this platform and this platform and you've got to have your hands in this and this, you know? And I mean, that's really like, no, as the coach, as, as the coachpreneur, you know, you get to decide like, what did it, how, how do you want to build your business? Do you want to do, you know, do you want to be a speaker? Do you want to guest blog? Do you want to start a podcast? Like you don't have to just do internet marketing or do, you know, be on social media all the time following and creeping on people and and doing all of these, (laughs) these weird things. Like you have the power and you just yeah. got to figure out what, what it is that gets you into flow. And I, I love that. I've never, never downloaded TikTok. So I, I, I hate it already. I, I, can't <laughs> even, I can't even like go on it. Like, and cause honestly, one of the things that I'm kind of an advocate for these days is long form content. Cause I don't mm. think we need more things that are squeezed into a minute. And so I feel like, I feel like we need things that people actually sit down and absorb and think about. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, Speaking of social media platforms, I mean, this popped up. Are you on Clubhouse? Is that the audio one? The audio one? Yeah. I got in, I think I joined, I, I literally think I joined and then I haven't signed back on. <laughs> Another one that like, I, I was like, when I joined, cause I joined back in the beginning of January, I was like, I'm getting in. This is an invite only thing. Like, Ooh, like I'm going to be like one of those like newbies, you know, like the, the people that like, right. You know, right. When Instagram launches kind of thing. And I've, I've joined and I've had like been on like two club rooms and I was like, this is, I hate this. I hate it. I really do hate it. And, and it's like, I don't, I don't need it. Right. And my body gets anxiety just thinking about what you just said and I'm like I would have to learn how to do all that and I like I don't and I don't think that's a laziness thing because <laughs> I have things that I'm very eager to I think it's just a matter of listening to your gut like my no, gut I, doesn't want to get on clubhouse like I think it, it's I think you know it's, I think it's your 63 year old woman spirit yeah. that's like no I don't want this and my my 85 year old woman man something spirit that's like eh, screw yeah. technology <laughs> The work is all about just giving yourself permission to be who you are. And so like, if yourself, you know, and I just, I, I, there's so many ways I can succeed in the lane that I'm in without me like doing things I don't want to do. You know, it's just, it's just the way, you know, um, yeah. Off on tangents, but that's what this whole show is about. We go all down all of these paths. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Brian, thank you so much for being with me. Yes, one more thing. I wanted to just plug one thing that I'm saying. Oh yeah, I was about to give you that option. So Amazing. Yes. (laughs) No, but like, thank you for taking the time to be here today. How can people connect with you? How can people get a hold of you? Plug away, please. Yeah, I'm on Instagram as The Gay Life Coach. Um, And I'm also on Instagram as my name, Brian Faldudo. Um, the one is a little more personal and music driven and the other one is coaching driven. Um, those are the best places to find me. Uh, but I wanted to let everyone know, I think I mentioned when I was telling my story that one of the places where I found myself is self-help books. Um, I think a lot of people, self-help books are a little bit of a trendy thing right now, um, right? And then um, book clubs are also a trendy thing right now. And so something I'm doing, a new venture of mine, if people ever want to come join, I'm doing this thing called the Gay Men's Self-Help Book Club. 
essentially I'm I'm combining all of these different trendy things that are going on right now into a group coaching option essentially, which is um, disguised as a book club. So it's a little bit more of a friendly, more casual setting than people would imagine group coaching to be. Um, it's a fun community, like-minded driven space to do all the things that I talked about earlier that we're not doing, which is spending time with other gay men and talking about our stories and doing our healing together. And, you know, we get to tackle some of like the top self-help knowledge out there, which often is not targeted towards the LGBTQ community. So we get to read it while applying a queer lens to it and seeing how it works in our lives. And it's just like this thing, we, we're on book two right now, we're starting book three next month. And it is honestly just like the most magical initiative I've started. I'm very excited about it. Everyone's getting so much out of it and people should totally come join. I need to join. <laughs> you, are, you are welcome. Yes, that's fantastic. Well, we I always wrap up my show with one final question. And the final question of, of the day is, if you could go back to the very beginning of your coaching journey and what piece of advice would you give your younger self to make the journey into coaching just a little bit easier? Get a coach. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pla plain and simple. Yeah. It's a very common answer, but it's a great answer. Yeah, I know. I didn't, I knew it came up for me and I was like, oh, it's, everyone's probably saying that. But I was like, <laughs> but it is true. It's hard to see outside of your own mind when you're in your own mind. And also it's hard to sell something that you're not, you're not buying or exactly. believing in, you know? Exactly. Well, thank you, Brian, again, for taking the time to connect today. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, please join me next time for another Coachpreneur Conversation. Thank you for listening to the Coachpreneur podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Tyler Transformed. And if you're a coach who's ready to be a confident and successful Coachpreneur, then I personally invite you to join me in my Confident Coaches Facebook group. And finally, if you haven't already done so, please help me keep this conversation going by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. And be sure to join me next time for another Coachpreneur conversation.